Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. It drives me around the bend now when you contact the contact center uh, of a company who go, we're experiencing extremely high call volumes. And you think, no, you know, we've been in this pandemic for two years. You know what the bloody call volumes are like. What you're actually doing is you're just not putting enough staff there. If you look at grocery store prices, inflation on many grocery items over the last 30 years has been very low. Like if you look at a two liter, if you can find an old advertisement for a two liter bottle of Coca-Cola, the price has gone up hardly any at all, like even in nominal dollars. Our, our expertise now apparently extends to vintage fashion. So really, doors <laughs> wide open for you on this pickle thing. Can, can I just argue with you about the word vintage, please, mate? <laughs> yeah, good luck, old man. <laughs> Ryan, I don't want to show my age, but okay. I remember inflation in the old days. Yeah. yeah? Uh, and I'm not talking about the 1800s or anything like that. Um, oh, in- you're not. Oh, well, then what, <laughs> what era were you talking about? In the late 70s, I was, a, I was a young teenager in the UK. And believe it or not, we had 25% inflation. Can you believe that? We thought this, the horrors of the 70s were like dead and gone. And then first bell bottoms come back. And then, you know. <laughs> tank tops. Tank Didn't tops. called them tank tops, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then now inflation. Like everything right. that was out of fashion is back in fashion again. Here's something I'd probably the American audience won't understand, but I'm going to test it on you. Did you ever have two-tone tonic strides? <laughs> no. <laughs> or that sounds like a drink. Or fringe and buckled stompers. Uh, no, but without even knowing what those are and knowing what I know about the 1970s, I, I've already pictured it. Like, I, I know what you're talking about. Uh, two-tone tonic strides were trousers or pants, as you would say in the States. There were two-tone, so, you, you know, as you walk, the, the color changed. They were incredibly itchy. <laughs> All I can remember doing them was being so proud of wearing these two-tone tonic strides and then having to put talcum powder on my legs because they were so itchy. You need to suffer for your art sometimes, you know? What, why were they called tonic? Was that the brand name? Tonic, I don't know. Really don't know. Don't know. Never never challenged those things in those days. And the other one was uh, fringe and buckled stompers were a pair of uh, shoes which were like um, loafers, but with a, the fringe and, and sure. a buckle on them. Um, and I quite nice why they were called stompers, but they were. So anyway. This is rapidly turning into a, a therapy session for you, Colin. Imagine. So. Okay. So you're gonna, you've got limited money. It's the 70s, right? Yeah. Late 70s. You've got limited money. Okay. You're just about to go and get your two-tone tonic strides. Yeah. And they've gone up by 25%. Yeah. Yeah. But your, and this is the key point, your wages haven't gone up by 25% unless you happen to be in a... Uh, in a, in a business. <laughs> in a powerful <laughs> industry. So anyway, this led us to a pickle. For those of you that don't know what a pickle is, it's very simple. You s- simply go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle. That's beyondphilosophy.com 
com backslash pickle and you press the red button and you can either record your pickle which is your business problem or you can type in your business problem if you don't want to uh, appear on the show and that's exactly what stephanie lilly has done and she's written in basically saying that her pickle is we are having to review our costs and put our prices up due to inflation how do we deal with inflation whilst at the same time improve our customer experience. Mm. And I thought, wow, there have been a few times recently where I've thought, "Mm, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Inflation is coming back and I'm having some similar conversations than I did when I was buying my two-tone tonic strides. It made me think, no, this will be a good one because I'm sure lots of organisations are starting to think about this. Oh, yeah. Stephanie's definitely not alone in this. This is a, this is a big problem. Absolutely. Coming from academia, my good man, mm-hmm. um, you should just, just tell people what do we actually mean by inflation? Sure. Let me put on my two-tone tonic tweed jacket. <laughs> With the leather elbow pads. Oh, yeah, yeah. You get those when you get tenure. They just hand you two leather patches. <laughs> So the mind yourself. <laughs> we don't we don't try to swamp people with theory here, but I I think it's important to kind of appreciate the role of inflation in the broader economy before we look at how it affects individuals and businesses. Because even though inflation is a term that we throw around all the time, we may not fully appreciate kind of where it fits within the larger economy. So people talk about inflation like it's a bad thing. Inflation is actually not a bad thing when it is small and predictable. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, the, the Fed, which is the, the Federal Reserve Bank in the US, which is the government body that, that kind of tries to manage the economy, actually has an inflation target. They don't want zero inflation. They want about 2% inflation. And the reason is, if you have, if, you're, if your money isn't slowly losing value over time, which is what happens under inflation, then there's no reason for you to spend it or to invest it. So if you're if there's deflation, which is where your your currency actually gains value over time, then there's a strong pressure for you to just hoard it. And that at a global level that'll just cause the economy to shut down. So if nobody's spending money and if nobody's investing money because it's more valuable for them to just hold on to it, then everything shuts down. Uh, deflation is is rarely a problem and and from what I understand again not being an economist, but from what I understand the fixes for deflation are fairly easy for governments to do. Um, which is why we don't hear a lot of it. The problem comes when we have lots of inflation and it happens very quickly and it's unpredictable. And that's kind of where we're headed now. So inflation is not bad. In fact, one of the problems that I'm going to take a, a brief tangent here, Colin, so I'll apologize in advance. But one of the problems with misunderstanding inflation leads to things like the cryptocurrency market. So we've got all these cryptocurrencies like Ethereum and Bitcoin and people are believing two simultaneously contradictory things about these cryptocurrencies, in part because they, they misunderstand inflation. So cryptocurrencies will only become valuable as currency when they start slowly losing value over time. We don't want to spend the Bitcoin unless the Bitcoin is going to be worth less tomorrow than it is today, because that, that will then provide us with the motive for spending. it. So it's not going to be a good currency unless it's slowly losing value over time. But a lot of people are are investing in these cryptocurrencies because as an investment, they expect it'll increase in value over time. Sure. And so you have these multiple groups of people who believe different contradictory things about cryptocurrency. 
And in fact, some people believe the same things about cryptocurrency that don't make any sense. So understanding inflation is really important for understanding the economy and kind of how things operate and work. So it's not bad. It gets bad when it gets out of control. And that's where people are starting to worry that we're headed right now. I guess it's about, for me, uh, and the, the reason I thought this was a good pickle, so thank you, Stephanie, for the, for sending it in. There's been a couple of things recently that have happened to me that were reminiscent of those days of 25% inflation. And I'm, I'm also conscious that there's a number of people out there that have, that have not had to suffer from inflation. Inflation's been really steady in most of the world yeah. for 20, 30 years. Yeah, it has. And and so let, let's talk about, let's flip this to sort of customer things to start off with. And then let's talk a bit about what organizations are doing. And then let's talk a bit about, because some of that's good, some of that's bad. And then let's talk a bit about what do we think that organizations should be doing during these times. And let me give you a couple of examples, which I think sort of highlight it for me. One of which is we are looking to uh, replace our garage roof in England. Okay. We got a quote for replacing the garage roof nine months ago. And then we procrastinated about it. We didn't do it. And now we go, actually, we should do the garage roof. Phone the bloke up and go, hey, can you come around and do the roof? And he's gone, yeah, but it's gone up now. And I remember thinking, you know, this was only a couple of weeks ago. And I was remember thinking, bloody hell, yeah, of course it's gone up. And and that's just, I mean, that that, that was the first time it happened. It's just happening all over the place now with, with things. And there was part of me, if I, I'm totally honest, that made me go, uh, I, well, I wonder how much of that is fact. Yeah. Is the person being opportunistic? Maybe I'm being unkind here. But we know, again, I know what from what organizations have done in the past, then, then some are. And I also found myself in another setting thinking, well, hold on, how can they justify that? Because, and this was more for a service-based product. Because I remember thinking, well, I can understand, I don't know, if the roof tiles have, have gone up, you know, um, that's, that's fair enough. Um, but for a more service base, then what are their costs? And I and I found myself trying to sort of go, I wonder if I'm being told the entire truth here. Okay, now I've not got anything to back that up with. The other area I thought was interesting was, again, the other day, I was looking on Amazon at buying something, I can't even remember what it was. But I remember thinking, maybe I should buy two of them. Right. You know, because I know I'm going to need another one of these in six months' time, and and in six months' time, price would have gone up. And I guess the the point I'm trying to make is, it was at that point I thought, bloody hell, I remember thinking this back in the day, <laughs> you know, uh, and I haven't had to think this way for so long because inflation has not been around, and prices have been pretty static, and they haven't certainly gone up in such a short period of time by so much. Uh, and I think the other important aspect of this, and I'm going to shut up in a minute, you said an important thing, which is, is the lack of certainty. Yeah. So whilst, you know, you, you hear that inflation is going to reach a peak fairly shortly, you then assume it's going to go down. It's not confirmed. So it's not a plan. And we know that 
it can get out of hand. I mean, I'm sure back in the in the late seventies, nobody said, "Here's a plan to get it up to twenty five percent." It just happened because it gets into that spiral of of people wanting more salary, understandably, to deal with things, and that puts the prices up, and then it just gets totally out of hand. Yeah, so that that's a, another part of this that you actually raised a couple of important points that I wanted to make sure we emphasize. Wow. Yeah, no, it, it, there's there's inflation on compliments too this round too. That's, <laughs> that's more than I've given you at any point. In time. That's more than the two percent I normally get. Right? Yeah, no, for sure, it's dangerous <laughs> levels now. I'm not comfortable with them. One is is this, and actually, maybe I'll just touch on this briefly, and, and we can come back around to it towards the end because I think yeah. it's super important. But the idea that that inflation, when an economy is in a state of inflation, there's all the economic repercussions of that, but there's also an erosion of trust, which I think is a huge deal and not discussed a lot. And so I, I want to put a pin in that because then we're going to talk about advice for firms. Yeah towards the end of this discussion. And so I want to I want to just flag that because I think you're absolutely right. I think it's underappreciated and underdiscussed and firms who recognize that can seek an advantage even in these these difficult times. So I agree on that point. Another thing that you you emphasize is that is this uncertainty. It was not that long ago that the best experts in the world, at least those in, in America, were saying no, no, this is just a, t- a temporary snapback inflation because now we're growing all of a sudden. Sure. And it took them many months of continued inflation before they finally started saying, oh, maybe we actually don't know what the cause of this inflation is. And maybe it could be around longer than, than we want to. And part of the reason they probably did that initially is because this is not like a chemical reaction where we know you input these things and you get this output from it. This is a social interaction. And just like a run on the bank can cause a bank to collapse when otherwise it would have been fine, inflation can beget inflation and fears of inflation can beget inflation. And so yes. there's all of this uncertainty piled on top of each other and it, and it can kind of spiral out of control as, as rational actors just react to what's going on around them even before we start to layer on the, the irrational aspects of fear and uncertainty and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and you're right, because clearly everybody goes, okay, well, you can understand that inflation's going up. So therefore, if everybody asks for a, a rise to meet that inflation, then by definition, it's going to go up again. People shouldn't uh, ask for a rise to what would be the same as inflation. Yeah, we're all trying to get ahead of it. And that, yeah, but then not, makes not for me, mate, not my salary, not my salary. Don't, you know, I understand that that's the right thing for everybody, but. Don't, you know, that doesn't apply to me. And it's obviously that driving force as you're talking about is the, is the issue, isn't it? I mean, I'm glad you raised that point specifically because I was thinking about talking to you about taking less of a salary. <laughs> Any In these trying times, Colin, <laughs> we all need to tighten our belts. Again, like there's there's the irrational aspects of this, which, you know, you and I love to talk about. But you could set up a game theory model where everybody behaves strictly rationally and they're just trying to get ahead of this inflation curve, which is just a rational thing to do. And that then drives inflation more. How are you going to grow your market when everyone is competing on the same things? What are your customers' unmet needs in your market? What drives and destroys most value for you? And what are you going to do first? 
Since 2005, we've been helping organizations answer these questions. Our unique discovery tool, the Emotional Signature, will change the way that you look at your market. Let's have an informal conversation on how we may be able to help you. To set this up, simply go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash contact. And we look forward to talking to you. So let's talk a bit about and try to help Stephanie about what do we see organizations doing? And then let's talk a bit about what do we think they should do? Sure. And I think the interesting thing is I'd like to put this conversation in the context of customer centricity, because I, I think like a recession, it's how does the organization act when the chips are down? So everybody talks about, you know, we want to improve our customer experience. Clearly, lots of resources being put into that. But it's that, that same quote, isn't it, about, well, it's, it's all right talking about these things in good times. It's how do you react in bad times? And certainly what I see and I'm already seeing is that organizations who are particularly in competitive markets are trying to not just put their prices up, they're trying to cut costs, yeah? So they don't have to just put their prices up because, again, it becomes, a again, a challenge um, challenge there. They can't just whack up their prices by, by 10% if their competitors haven't. And therefore, they're cutting costs. And one of the areas they're cutting costs on are what they perceive as the non-profitable bits so you get the classic stuff of customer service uh, groups being cut costs on Mm. and i think that's part of the driving force again i've I've said this a couple of times on the podcast but it it drives me around the bend now when you contact the contact center uh, of a company who go we're experiencing extremely high call volumes and you think no you know we've been in this pandemic for two years you know what the bloody call volumes are like yeah what you're actually doing is you're just not putting enough staff there uh, and i think is inflation is just exact is exasper- exact what is it making it worse let me just thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah just making it a lot worse i won't try to say exasperating oh i did no you did it <laughs> yeah. had to get the pressure off of you yeah, you can't have uh, something unexpected month after month, year after year. At some point, you should start expecting it. Right? The, the call volumes can't be unexpected for two years. So one of the interesting things, Ryan, was that uh, I got a message through from one of the uh, sites that syndicates our blog asking my opinion on a piece of information that they were just given, which was that the chief customer officer for Outback Steakhouse, you probably heard of them, sure, had just been let go. I, I think that for Outback Steakhouse, the phrase is gone on a walkabout. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, gone on a walkabout. Which never was to sent return. on a walkabout. <laughs> yeah, a one-way ticket. That's right. Yeah. The website was asking, well, what's my thoughts on it? And the thing I did immediately was to look at the results from the American Customer Satisfaction Index sure. for Outback Steakhouses. And I looked them up for the last 10 years. And, and guess what had happened over the last 10 years, the customer satisfaction? My um, guess would be flat or down? Flat, yeah, basically. So 
you've now got inflation. You're now the CEO of Outback. You've now got inflation. You've got all of the horrors that they've just obviously been through with the pandemic and everything else. And clearly you're being challenged on costs, I would assume. Yeah. And what do you do? What areas do you cut? You cut the things that you don't think are working. And if you haven't improved your customer satisfaction over the last 10 years, then I'd be going, why do I have a team of people that are looking into this? Yeah. It's clearly not working. Why do I do it? So I think that, again, that goes back to some of the causes of this. And the, the danger is, Stephanie, from, a, from a, an inflation perspective is, your organization may be doing the same. They may be going, well, well where, can we, where can we cut costs? Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Others, going back to what we said before, and this starts to seed into some of the conversation I think we should have around how to deal with this. Others, I think, are using this as an opportunity to increase their price. And others are just they're not being transparent because they're in a marketplace where they can increase their price and will undoubtedly be using this as an opportunity uh, to do that. So let's let's talk about what do we think Stephanie should be doing and how to deal with this going forward. Any thoughts from your end? Uh, Sure. Uh, Why don't we start with some psychology and some behavioral economics approaches. One of them is, is framing. And the idea here, it really generally, is that not all payment experiences are equivalent. You know, economically they might be, but psychologically they're not. So let me draw a parallel. So the right now we're experiencing high inflation, and you know, as we've discussed historically over the last several decades, there's been low inflation, but that's at a, at an economic level. So that's at the level of the entire economy. There are areas within the economy where inflation has been high and where inflation has been low. If you look at grocery store prices, inflation on many grocery items over the last 30 years has been very low. Yeah. Like if you look at a two liter, if you can find an old advertisement for a two liter bottle of Coca-Cola, the price has gone up hardly any at all, like even in nominal dollars. So not not even in inflation adjusted dollars. Like a lot of food items have just not increased prices very much. So inflation there has been very low. Inflation in other things, and I'm speaking about the U.S. economy here, so it, this may be different in different parts of the world. But if you look at sectors like higher education, where I work, medical services, housing, those have, have had dramatic inflation over the last several decades. Yeah. So why is it that people are willing to kind of suffer inflation in some areas and in other areas, they'll just freak out. If the price of gasoline goes up by a noticeable amount, that can tip presidential elections. Like that, that is a big deal. Whereas higher education or hospital costs go up by enormous amounts and nobody really seems, I mean, I don't want to say nobody cares or notices. People do. Sure. But it's not, it, it doesn't evoke the same reaction. And part of that is because of the way these costs are framed. So for some costs, their experience psychologically is kind of distant from us. So we might like, we have to pay a big bill every once in a while, but it's not ever present in our lives. It's not very salient. When we buy things like gasoline, like groceries, 
Those are frequent expenses. They're small, which counterintuitively makes changes feel larger. So, you know, if you go from something where that was a dollar to now it's a dollar and 15 cents, that feels like a large jump relative to if you go from something that was, you know, $10,000 to whatever the equivalent would be, $10,150 or something. And so that are, it would be 10,000, one, 11,500. I'm good at math, Colin. It just takes me a little while. You get the point. Uh, We experience those as we're closer to the reference point. We experience that as a larger change. It's something known as diminishing sensitivity. Um, And so for these small ticket items, we actually experience inflation more viscerally. Think about when you buy gasoline. You stand out. Usually it's in kind of inclement weather. (laughs) You know, it's too hot or too cold or it's rainy. And you stand there bored with nothing to do but watch the price go up and up and up as it feeds gasoline into your car. That is a viscerally salient way of paying for something. And so we're very sensitive to price changes that way. If you had a dial on the wall of your living room where every second of every day as you were using heating or air conditioning, the amount that you had to pay would tick over just like a gas pump every second as you were using more heating or more air conditioning, I predict that we would all be much more energy efficient. Like we would all be adjusting our thermostats and wearing lighter clothing clothing or using more fans or you know bundling up and using more electric blankets. But because we don't pay for it that way, those costs are a little bit more distant from us. And so we're less sensitive. We're not completely insensitive, but we're less sensitive. So can firms use those principles in what they're doing, how they're pricing? I think the other part for me is, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, reference points, because I did the calculation a couple of months ago, so before the inflation really took a hold. Gas prices in, in England, it's $9 a, a gallon. Yeah? Mm-hmm. America, $3.5 a gallon. Yeah? Yep. And everyone's complaining. <laughs> and I'm thinking, it's bloody cheap. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So again, it goes back to that reference point. The other thing that I find quite funny is is this whole area around mental accounting. So for everybody that doesn't know, mental accounting is where you sort of compartmentalize costs, don't you? So you turn around and go, well, that's for the, you know, that's for the holiday fund or the vacation fund, and that's for this and that's for that. I, I've often said to again my wife as we've been driving around looking at gas prices and you know the, the price variation. When you then when you then think, oh, hold on, well, it's 10 cents a gallon cheaper there. You work it out and you go, it's $2. Yeah. We've just thrown $2 away, you know, or spent it on something totally frivolous. But it's going, oh, well, look at those. That's ten gone up by 10 cents. So that, that feels like it's that mental accounting of, well, I'm talking about gas prices here. So it's within, goes back to that sort of term of reference, that anchor or that frame, and I'm sure I'm using all the wrong behavioral science words, but that's what I'm looking at. But actually compared to other things, and this is the logical approach to it, which obviously we know doesn't necessarily apply. But I I think all those things take place. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I've had friends who are obsessed with the price of gasoline, and so would drive out of their way because they knew that there was a, a cheaper yeah. pump somewhere else. And yeah, if you worked out the math, I, I have no doubt that they were often spending more driving to an out-of-the-way location to save a few pennies per gallon 
than they would have saved just going to a, a closer station. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Certainly, that framing aspect of things I think is an important aspect, and so and that's around how you give the message over. Yes. I think the next one down that I'd like to talk about, because I think this goes to talk about what you were talking about earlier about trust, Yeah. which is, for me, what you should be doing, Stephanie, is, is being transparent. So transparency at these times is a good thing. People know that there's inflation around. Uh, certainly my advice would be to explain to people why things have gone up. And if it's if you're selling a service rather than just some goods, if you're selling a service, then again, the reasons for that inflation may not be obvious. And again, the other day when when I, I was buying a service, uh, I was thinking, why have they put these, the price These are your tango lessons, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But I was, let's just talk about that. Not that I do tangoing. So what's the cost? Well, the cost actually of the, of the building and maybe the rent's gone up in the building. Uh, and it's not something you would have thought about. So again, it's the way that you, it's being transparent and it's the way that you, you explain it to the customer as well. And I would argue, we've we've also mentioned um, halo effects on the podcast before. If you have a reputation for being trustworthy, if that's part of your brand, if that's part of the relationship you have with your customers, you know, that extends to all areas of your business, including pricing. And so if I'm interacting with a firm that I don't trust, say your cable company or say some auto repair shop that you've worked with before that hasn't made you feel comfortable if their prices go up, you're likely to attribute the worst possible explanations for that, even if they are transparent or trying to be. And you say, ah, you know, it's like your your reaction earlier, Colin. It's like, ah, are you just trying to get one over on me, trying to take advantage of this, to use it as a smokescreen? Whereas if it's a company that you trust, that, that you already, you know, have that relationship with, then you're more likely to give them the benefit of the doubt. So I would say that not only should you be trying to increase your trust and transparency around pricing, but you should use this opportunity to double down on increasing trust across the board. So anything you can do to make your customers trust you more in any aspect of your business, that's going to make price increases less painful also. Yes. So trust is the commodity during inflation. Yeah. And and building on that, the other piece of advice, Stephanie, is think think of the long term. Don't think of the short term business. Don't think of the one or two percent margin that you're going to lose or whatever think about keeping that customer for a long period of time and for me again it's when things go wrong that you can actually build up that emotional bank account and we've we've talked about this in the past but you know make deposits into that emotional bank account think of the the long term uh and even go in and if particularly if you're on a B2B business where you've got a, a relationship with, uh, you know, a, a strong relationship with a few customers, uh, go in and talk to them about it uh, and explain it and, and explain where you are with it. Uh, but think about the whole thing from a, from a long-term perspective, I think is key. 
Okay, Stephanie. So I, I hope that's that's been of use. Everybody is going to be dealing with uh, inflation over the next few weeks. Uh, a lot of it is about... Few weeks, Colin. I love your optimism. <laughs> that's a Oof. very good point. Yes. Yeah. It, hopefully it'll be a few weeks. Yes. No, very good point. A, f- a few months, hopefully, maybe. I just hope it's not a few years. I, we should all be investing in disco just in case. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm just about to go and get on my two-tone tonic strides, I but I need to. I need the to only remember economically to... responsible thing for you to do. Yeah, and I, I, the other thing that worth investing in, in is talcum powder, um, which you have to put on your legs because they're so itchy. I'm sure they've overcome that problem now. Uh, so I hope that's been of you, Stephanie. If you've got a pickle and you'd like uh, Ryan and I to give us uh, our view of what you need to do then simply just go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle. Uh, that's beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle. Press the red button, uh, record your pickle, and you'll appear on the show or do as Stephanie's done, which is just drop us a, a message. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Our, our expertise now apparently extends to vintage fashion. So really, <laughs> doors wide open for you on this pickle thing. Can, can I just argue with you about the word vintage, please, mate? <laughs> yeah, good luck, old man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. Intuitive Customer.